0: Welcome everybody to the Ultra Human Podcast, where endurance athlete and personal development coach, Brooke Ramsey, interviews ordinary people who do extraordinary things. You'll hear from doers, athletes, and warriors as we unearth the mindset and spirit behind people who push themselves to their limits and beyond.
1: Hey, it's Brooke Ramsey, and this is the part of the podcast where I tell you why I love this episode and a bit about our guest. In 2019, Owen Enright spent 69 days paddling a kayak, self-supported and traveling from Alaska to Vancouver Island. In this episode of Ultra Human, we talk about the physical, mental, and spiritual elements of this kind of a challenge. While Owen's greatest physical accomplishments include being a wildlife firefighter and backpacking in the Andean Mountains, He is an ultra-human not just for the level of challenges he sets for himself, but for the incredible balance between tenacity and serenity he applies to these adventures. Let's get to it. Hey, Owen, and welcome to the Ultra-Human Podcast.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: It's awesome. I'm super pumped to hear about this crazy recent, I mean, trip is not the right, you went on a real adventure recently, and I'm I'm super excited to hear about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, It's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's a great day here as well. So,
1: you, you know, you're no stranger to being in beautiful places. Right now I'm talking to you as if you're right on the southern tip of Vancouver Island. You've been in the Himalayas. You've spent time ski touring in Iceland. You've been all over doing cool adventures. But I really am curious about the most recent thing you did, which was spend 69 days in a kayak. So... Tell me, give me like the, the elevator pitch on this trip and then let's dive in.
0: Really, it, uh, <laughs> it came to be when I just asked four of my best friends, do you want to do this? And it just seemed like we were all going to have the opportunity uh, and the time to make it happen. Um, and it's been a dream of mine for, I think, about six, seven years now. Um, it's been in my mind even longer than that. And you know, I grew up on the coast, and I've stared out the ocean almost every day of my life and kind of been curious, well, what else is out there? You know I've seen maybe, maybe three percent of the entire coastline, and why not see it all, especially in a time where things are changing so rapidly. And I just thought that, what a better way to see the coast than from the kayak and being self-sufficient the entire way down the coast. So I mean that's That's really the the general overview of it. Yeah.
1: So, A, super cool that you had four best friends that were game for something like
0: this. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And B, so this route specifically where you were starting in Alaska and then coming into Victoria in British Columbia, how was that in your head for like six or seven years? Was this a specific route that someone else has done or you'd heard about? or?
0: So yeah, I mean, I didn't really have um, a specific route in my head kind of when I started thinking about it. I guess the main dream that I had was just like, okay, I want to, I need to see this whole coast. And so I asked my best friend, Alex, yeah, about six years ago, like, hey, would you be interested in doing this with me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I would. And we kind of just sat down one night, looked at Google Earth, and we're like, okay, there's the coast. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's paddle that someday. And so I bought a kayak, um, uh, about a year later. And we kind of did a number of trips, um, over the, yeah, past six years. And then when we kind of realized that it was actually going to happen, we got together as a crew. Like I said, we had uh, another three guys join us and we're like okay well how do we actually want to do this how do we want to make it unique so we most people paddle the inside passage um i'm sure you've heard uh, you've heard of it um it's it's pretty it's pretty tame it's not exposed of course you can get a lot of weather but we're kind of like ah we don't really if we're gonna do this like let's let's do it right so yeah we got to talking and we decided to do the outside passage. So we do the outside, the west side of Vancouver Island, and do the outer reaches of the central coast of British Columbia as well. Yeah, and we're kind of like, okay, this, this makes this much more serious. Weather will be more intense. Uh, it's going to be far more remote. Yeah, landing on beaches with big swells is going to be an issue. Wildlife is going to be more intense. We're going to have to be more self-sufficient. and. I think they just made it more of an adventure in our minds and we're like, we got to do it this way. It'd be, it'd be taking the easy road if we did the inside passage. And yeah, we kind of wanted to do something new. Of course, people have done it before. Yeah. It's uncommon in comparison to the inside passage. So.
1: Quite uncommon. I mean, if you would have done the inside passage, it would have been uncommon, but it's really cool. That sounds like you were all feeding off of each other. Like, okay, well we're going to make it more challenging. And. You know, there was like kind of this group dynamic that sounds like it even emerged before you'd even start out, started out on the journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, uh, I'd say we got like, we got overly excited um, before the journey happened. Like, we got to do this. We need to see this. But then I think because we, we came together, we said we were going to do it. We had ideas, but we didn't really hash out the fine details of what we all really wanted to get out of the trip. So the group dynamic uh definitely took shape out on the water even though we were best friends and kind of had this plan. It was an interesting experience in that regard. Yeah, we had a lot of energy for sure.
1: I think when you're going to spend 69 days with people and then that's one thing but then to put to all be in like a stressful situation, a challenging like you know new experience. That's a lot to ask of each other.
0: Oh, completely. Yeah. And I mean, you can be best friends, but when do you ever spend 69 days straight with your best friend, let alone four of them? Yeah. (laughs) It tests you all individually and as a group. Yeah.
1: Curious about like the physical test specifically. So Mm. you, you obviously dealt with some interesting weather, like you were paddling a lot you were sleeping on the ground, you're foraging for food. Walk me through like a, a regular day and what the toll on your body and mind was.
0: I mean, we were all in shape coming into this. I was, I was definitely training a lot, but, you know, unless you're doing this specific activity like kayaking uh, beforehand, your body's never going to be fully prepared. And so none of us had spent a ton of time on the water uh, directly before the trip. Um, we're like, wow, we're in shape. We'll adjust as you do. And yeah, basically we, we got up there and we had a general idea of, of what our route was going to be. And yeah, we, it was kind of, it was kind of surreal in that regard. You know, we, we took a ferry up and then it was like one minute we were down here. The next minute we were in Alaska standing on the side of a river with our kayaks. being like, okay, I guess, I guess we got to paddle South now. So we we just hopped in. We just and
1: came from there. Yes. Yeah, we just ex- came from there. And now let's go. Let's go the other way.
0: Exactly. It's like we got to go all the way back now. Uh, okay. All right. So yeah, we, we got right into it. There's no other way to do it, right? So hopped in our boats and basically each day kind of held the same sort of timeline. Um, once we kind of got into got into our groove and. We try to get up pretty early, so around like 5, 5.30 every morning. You'd make your standard oats, drink your coffee, try to pack up all your gear, be on the water within an hour and a half, and then, yeah, try to make as many gains as you could if you had good weather. Um, and that would usually mean like being on the water like 9, 10 hours a day. Take a good lunch. But even so, it's a lot of time sitting in a kayak, just paddling. Um, but yeah, we'd get to, get to camp, which we'd kind of try to predetermine of where we're going to land, set up again, dinner, get back in the tents and do it all over again. And we basically did it in two week chunks. So we'd hit a small town we had shipped our food or some basic food supplies to and then do it all over again. So yeah, I mean, that was the overview of what we were doing. But I mean yeah, our bodies it was rough adjusting to that sort of schedule. Like it was quite rough. Yeah, it took a while.
1: And when you know, you you had grown up on the coast and, and you said to me earlier that you'd only seen like three percent of this coast before and it was like, I want to see more of it. When you were actually in it and doing it, were those thoughts coming up? Were you able to like access that sense of gratitude that okay, I said I was going to do this. I've always wanted to do this. And here I am. Or was it, was it just really physical survival? I read somewhere that you were like counting to 1000 and stuff. What was it like mentally when you were out there?
0: I want to start by saying it's so easy to see people doing things like this. And even for myself in the past to be like, wow, like, that's a great idea. Let's go do that. And I think especially with like, you know, taking pictures and social media, it's so easy to just see the good in these things. And yeah, it wasn't easy to be, uh, you know, show gratitude every single day. You know, you tried to, um, but there were times where you kind of, to be honest, hated what you were doing because it hurt. It was uncomfortable. Um, And yeah, that's exactly right. There were days on big open water crossings um, where I would just count Five thousand. I don't know why I chose five thousand, but I'd be going left and re- left to right, paddling, count to five thousand, hit five thousand, do it all over again, and I have no idea how many times I did that for a few days straight. Um, but yeah, I did. It became just survival. Like I need to get to my next camp spot because I'm cold. I I hurt so bad, but there's no other way to get through this but paddling forward. But I, I, that being said. Once we kind of got into our groove and our bodies adjusted, which was like, I'd say they really adjusted in like three, three and a half weeks, and then we felt really strong, then it was easier to be, yeah, see what was really good out there.
1: Amazing that you were able to, like, see what your body could adjust to. Because when I think of that, I'm like, oh, man, three weeks in, wouldn't you be doing worse? So that's super cool that it it got easier.
0: And it was different for everybody, for sure. But yeah, I felt like about two weeks in, I mean, we were, I think we were fending off injury because we started pushing it pretty hard right off the bat because we were just so gung-ho. Um, we were pushing like 55, 60K days, which we just weren't acclimatized to that. We kind of figured it out, slowed it down, and then worked back up. I mean, like anything, you got to ease into it. We, got, we hit our groove and it started feeling good after that for sure. And then the mental game set in.
1: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that mental game and what surprised you about it.
0: Ah, again, I think just it's, it's so easy to think that you're just going to be enjoying every second of a trip like this. And yeah, I don't know when you have a dream or you have a goal. I think you get so kind of set on that goal or that idea that you don't think about the, the things that are going to be difficult. and. Yeah, I think there's places that I would go back to on the trip if I was, you know, on a weekend trip or a week long trip and would really enjoy. Whereas on, you know, 69 day long um, expedition, there were days where I just, I was, I was bitter. I questioned why I was even doing this for one. What did it mean? You know, what was the purpose of doing this? what did it mean to myself? What did it mean to the people I know? What did it mean to my life? So these big sort of questions. And then, you know, it was easy to evaluate who you were as a person, you know, why you were making these decisions. And it was this kind of this wild cycle that you would go through. Um, And yeah. And then you would notice your hands are rotting and blistering and you feel that pain. And yeah, you could kind of get fed up on, on uh, a lot of things. So. I'm making this sound like it was so terrible right now.
1: <laughs> no, it sounds you know? like it was, it was very real. Yeah. You were really like fully present for it. Like you had to be because it was exactly what you were experiencing.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, no time to like be wondering about what's, what's happening in the Oval Office or something. You know, you were really there for it. Exactly. So, What'd you come up with? You were thinking about why am I doing this? What's the meaning of this?
0: Yeah, I mean, oh, so much in so many ways. Um, but I think, you know, the, the biggest thing was, like you said, like, yeah, we didn't have concern for kind of what else was going on in the world because we were living it, you know? It became our lives for that 69 days. And I think that just taught me that no matter what you're doing, you know, you can, you can get into it. If you're fully present in what you're doing, you can make that your way of life. And I think that really made me realize that, you know, there's been so many times in my life where I've wanted to change where I am or be somewhere else or get something different out of, out of, out of my life. But if you're fully present, no matter where you are, you're going to get the most out of Out of yourself and your surroundings Um, and I think that's what I realized probably halfway through the trip really and that made me enjoy it so much more too Because it was like okay let's enjoy this pain let's enjoy this mental struggle let's enjoy you know the storms that we're going through and it just made it all easier and I think that's just with daily life as well if there's if we pull if we point out the things that are difficult all the time they're gonna be difficult but if we learn to just be in the moment and try to yeah, be gracious and have gratitude for what we have, um, it's going to be a whole lot easier and we're going to be a whole lot happier. So I think that was one of the biggest takeaways is just be, try to be content. And I think that's difficult for a lot of us when we have busy lives and stress, stress is on our minds, but it's such a simple sentiment um, and it's so easily forgotten.
1: I can imagine someone listening, hearing that, and thinking like, "Well, I'll do something for sixty-nine days if I get to experience more presence in my day-to-day life." So, I mean, a, a beautiful gift from this yeah, trip,
0: really was. But that being said, I, you don't have to, you don't have to do sixty-nine days in the wilderness to achieve this. You know, I think that's that's how I came to see it. But. I think there's so many other ways that we can kind of achieve that goal. And I think that's the other thing that I kind of realized on the trip too is, you know, like I, I, I want to take people outside more now. Um, I want to make outdoor education something that, yeah, I can give to others. But that makes me realize is like not everybody is going to want to push it super hard. And that's okay because just taking a walk down to your local park can make you have gratitude, it can bring you presence, um, or bring you into your present moment. And I think that's the other thing I learned is that we don't, we don't need to go to these large extents, or everybody doesn't need to go to these largest extents. It's just about realizing how you can access what's around you um, to kind of to gain that presence.
1: Yeah, it absolutely does. And what's coming up for me when you say that is the idea that It's it's what we intend to get from the experience. So say I am someone who likes to push it Mm -hmm. and I'm like consistently chasing like harder and harder things and like being aggressive and being like, no, give me the route that nobody else is on. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing that from a place of like discomfort or trying to prove something to myself or like from being very ungrounded. Mm -hmm. I'm never really going to access it. Whereas I could push it from a place of like, man, I just love doing this. And this is fun to push it. Similarly with going to the park. I could go to the park and like, think it was super boring and lame. Exactly. Or I could go to the park as if it was like the biggest miracle of my life.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I even got into the trip and I was definitely the one in the group that wanted to push it the most. and was like, no, let's go further. Let's go further. Let's go harder. and yeah, people got really upset with me at a certain point, because people were burnt out and hurting. And like, I'm not enjoying this. And I was like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, we got to get to Victoria. That's the goal. You know, and so it took me getting over that kind of kind of that fixation with pushing it, but not really knowing why I was pushing it before I could truly enjoy the trip. So
1: you hear that a lot about like, being with the process and being with the journey and not so much on the the final end goal. mean, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like when you released that, we got to get to Victoria and that big end goal, the trip changed
0: for you. Yeah, exactly. It did. And yeah, completely. And it's, I, I think it was once I realized that we were going to make it as well that let me fully, fully relax. Um, and then I think once I realized we were going to make it, I kind of was like, okay, if we don't make it now, it's okay. And yeah, that was a pretty beautiful transition within itself.
1: So how does that apply to the work that you want to do in schools and with youth?
0: Yeah, it's about kind of finding what works for individuals. And if I can get into a place and take people outside and kind of make them feel, make them feel comfortable and then push them a little bit further to see their potential, I, I, I think that would be incredible but realizing that everybody is going to be different in that environment. And you can't just push everybody in the same way. We all have different limits. Although I do think that we can all get to the same place eventually, we're all starting at different places. So to see that progress within youth and see the benefits that they get out of that, um, I think would be, yeah, incredible. Cause I mean, that's the biggest thing. That's why I like to, push it physically as I'm sure you do as well it's like seeing what is possible and learning new things about yourself by getting through these limits and pushing through these fears so if I could do that with youth that haven't had these experiences before I, I yeah I could only imagine how rewarding it would be and to see where they go and see where, what decisions they make uh, would be only yeah absolutely incredible
1: and it's cool to think about the, the thing that's coming up here for me is like having someone in our life that believes in us enough to push us or who even just like creates that as a possibility is awesome. I'm really curious for you, you know, is there someone in your life that you look to as someone who really pushes it that inspires you or who, who made you feel like you could push it?
0: You know, it's, it wasn't a, a, a specific person that made me feel like I could push it. I think... Yeah, I, I applied to uh, Wildfire, I guess it would be seven years ago. And I had no idea really what it meant getting into Wildfire. I had never really heard about Wildfire. I mean, it's only like, you know, gained media attention over the last few years now. I was like, huh, that'd be kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, I guess I'll apply, see if I get in, not get my hopes up. And I kind of walked into this team-based environment that just flipped my world upside down. Yeah, that's where I really learned the power of mental fortitude in physical tasks. And I mean, boot camp, going through boot camp uh, was where it all started. And then going through rookie week with my crew and then just building off of that year after year with 20, 20 incredible people. It'd be interesting to see where I where I would be today without taking that job. Cuz yeah, I learned so much about my my physical and mental capabilities.
1: Yeah, like I'm curious about the the mental fortitude that being a wildlife firefighter has given you. Like what specifically do you feel mentally strong about now?
0: It's a pretty pretty cheesy saying, but this just it comes to my mind is my first boss would always yell. It's hard when it's easy, and it kind of it kind of stuck. Because um, I just I, I remember there's so many times before getting in a fire where you know things might get difficult, and I'd be like, well, this this is actually this is really hard right now. I don't need to push through. I don't need to. I don't need to keep going. And then so you you choose the easy route. Um, And then with fire, you can see these people that were, you know, beyond their max or what I would have thought their max physical output to be. And then just being like in in their heads, clearly being like, no, I'm okay with this. I can keep pushing. And then learning that skill from them to be like, yeah, I feel pain right now, but it's actually okay to feel it. And it's actually good to feel this exertion and I can keep feeling this for a long period of time. And that kind of made me, it changed me completely because now when I am taking the easy road or things seem easy, I'm questioning, why is this easy right now? Things should be harder um, because of the rewards and the gains that I've got through pushing it uh, physically.
1: I hear you making the really strong connection between the mental and physical. So. You know, when I'm physically in pain, I can still mentally choose to to show up in a different way. What is the spiritual angle for you?
0: Yeah, and you know, that's something that I, I don't fully understand, but it's some place that I get in that process, and I'm trying to make the connection between all three. Um, I don't know if it's just my body being super exhausted and taking me to this kind of delusional state, <laughs> you know, but... I, uh, it keeps me coming back to pushing it because I haven't been able to feel what I feel anywhere else in life, um, you know, other than really pushing it physically. And I, I always have to get to that flow state before I can find that. And I think it really, for me, it feels like I'm levitating. It feels like I'm somewhere else where things become easy um, and everything else drifts away. And it just becomes, you know, I'm describing this, and it really it does it it sounds like I'm describing um, some sort of addiction. And really, it's brought brought me back time and time again because of not only the feeling that I get, but how clearly I see after the fact as well. And so, yeah, I haven't truly figured out what it is that is spiritual exactly, but I know that I'm getting somewhere else through these physical and mental challenges um i wish i had the answer to to what it was specifically spiritually you know do you
1: really wish you had the answer
0: (laughs) no that's a good question yeah yeah that's a good point you know it sounds like
1: something you experience that perhaps isn't intellectualizable that's a word
0: yeah it's a feeling more than Mm -hmm. anything Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: and you mentioned the the feeling of seeing clearly after the fact. Tell me a little bit about that—that that, the vision that you have.
0: Yeah, I think it's I think it's with addressing fear in a way, and I think before pushing it, like whether you know, I've I've done races before, um, you know, in addition to doing you know these kind of big feats outside. And I think there's anxiety, a little bit of underlying anxiety always that's there. Even if I'm doing a big push and it's like a day, a day run, and I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to push it here. Um, or a big bike ride, you know, there's always like some underlying anxiousness that's there. And I think getting through the hard and pushing through the pain and getting to that other side, it just allows me to feel like I have overcome that fear of the challenge, you know, and now I've realized that it's okay. Look at that. Wasn't that hard and look at where I've got here. Look at, look at what I've achieved. Um, Because yeah, I think that's such a, it's such a limiting um, thing is being, you know, confined by our fears. And so for me, like getting out of this last trip in Alaska, now I look at doing another trip like that and I, I'm not, I'm not scared by it. I'm not anxious about it. I feel like I can see clearly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a learning experience, I guess, really. It's just understanding yourself better. Yeah. Understanding your mind, your body and your soul, the spiritual side as well. So
1: yeah, it sounds like you've chosen to experience that anxiety and fear. From a really um, active position, so you notice it, okay, I have this anxiety or this fear or this unsurety, and then i 'm going to take action, which sounds like a muscle, like a trained thing
0: yeah i 've never even thought about it that way, but yeah I, th- I think that 's exactly what it is, um, and probably why I, I, I keep to, I need to keep exercising it
1: <laughs> yeah i 'm curious what 's next for you what 's the the scary anxiety? creating challenge that you're dreaming of?
0: I'd say the biggest thing that's, you know, kind of challenging me now is being coming out of this trip and having the transition back into kind of regular life. You know, I'm, I'm becoming a teacher. I'm I'm working every day. um, And I know that I want to do something else. And I have been thinking of, getting into the Middle East to do a, a self-powered sole bikepacking trip over a number of months. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's making me a little bit anxious right now, if I want to use that term, um, is just how easy it could be to not do that. Because it takes, so you need time. You need, to, you need time to do these trips. You need money to do these trips. And it's easy to come out of a, a big trip like this Alaska one and be like, oh, you know what? It's, it's actually pretty comfortable being home right now. Yeah, this is all right. I could, I could drift into this. I could get back into work. And that scares me more than anything. So I think the biggest challenge and the anxiety I need to address is figuring out when I'm going to do this next trip and how I'm going to make it happen.
1: I love that because there are infinite possibilities for you of what it could look like. But actually acknowledging it takes effort to even get out there, you know, the, the planning, the route mapping, the logistics and coordinating. And then, like you said, the finances and the, the time, there's a lot that goes into saying yes to something like this. And yeah. so where, where do you find the courage to keep going and, and say, I trust myself. I trust myself that I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to go do something. Where, where do you get the courage from?
0: I, like and you asking that question, it's incredible. Like I, I just got chills to my bone, because I think I just got it again. <laughs> I think I get it from my core, um, kind of this identity that is now, you know, I can't detach it from my, my my the core of who I am. And I think whenever I feel like I'm not accessing those physical challenges that I'm losing myself but I feel like my core is so strong now that I will always have the courage to make change and address fear to ensure that I am who I am and that I'm not listening to the the kind of pressures of society or the needs of others to a degree um, that I lose myself and so you know I just think that the courage comes from a place that it's so easy to let our fears dictate our lives, our day to day. And I think so many people have dreams that they could make come true, but they choose not to because they, they truly believe I couldn't do that. I couldn't make that happen. And it just, when we, when we address that fear and realize that we can push through it, it's, it's an incredible experience. Like I've described, um, And yeah, I just feel we need, we need to do that more. And I hope that by me accessing my core and getting out there more that I can inspire others to do the same because I don't know. I being back now, I just look at, you know, the environment I'm in at school, um, at a high school and we truly live in such a risk adverse society. It's so difficult to get even kids out on a field trip these days or. There's limitations to what we can do. Um, I mean, everywhere we look, there's there's red tape. And I think that by taking risks, addressing fear, we we get to learn about who we truly are and understand what we can truly do. Um, and I think without risk and without addressing fear, we'll never be able to learn um, our full potential as individuals. So coming back to I that... Imagine-
1: Yeah, I imagine a world where everyone is accessing their core in that way. You know, however they came to it, like you have. Um, And I just see this beautiful, incredible world when we're all in that space.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's possible, though? Do you think we can, that's something that's... uh...
1: I do. I do think that is possible.
0: Yeah, and I think the biggest, you know, once you realize it's possible within yourself, then you believe that yeah, other people can get there too. We can all get there. Um, at least that's what I've, I've found.
1: I'm curious about one other thing because you've had so many insights and I'm, I'm just praying to myself that you give me an insight on this because yeah. I I wrestle with this on myself.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think what you spoke to is the fear of something going wrong. So I don't want to do this challenge because I might hurt myself. I, don't want to quit my job and do the thing I love to do because I'm afraid of not having enough money. So Mm -hmm. there's this, you know, I'm worried about the bad thing happening. What are your thoughts on the fear of success? I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of the the best thing happening. I'm afraid of being powerful. I'm afraid of succeeding.
0: That's a tough one. Um, But I think it, it comes down to kind of the same sentiment. If you're fearing failure, or you're feeling success. I just, I don't think that that's the right mindset because I, I found myself in that before leaving on this trip, I thought about it in the terms of, well, I'm leaving my job this summer. Um, and I'm not going to make a ton of money. Okay. How am I going to, how am I going to live when I get back? And then I also thought, well, I'm leaving a job that I'm actually succeeding in and I will likely get promoted in and by leaving this right now i you know i'm taking myself away from that success um and and then as well with the the trip i was like yeah i'm probably i'm probably gonna uh succeed in this um but I'm, i might not but i think no matter how i how i make my mind up you know in the sense of fear of succeeding or fearing failure um i just think i don't think you can think about it like that i don't think you can think about it either way because the more you think about it the more you're going to hold yourself back um and so i just look at it it's going to work out it's always going to work out and it always has worked out for me and maybe i'm just lucky but i truly believe that if you're putting yourself out there in your authentic form it's it's gonna work out um and you shouldn't fear success. You shouldn't fear failure. You just need to do.
1: You brought up the quote that you felt was a little bit cheesy from when you were training as a wildlife firefighter. And, and the one that's coming up to me that's a little bit cheesy is that idea of things work out best for people who makes the best of things. Yeah. Do you, have you ever heard that silly one? But that's, yeah, that's totally. kind of what's coming true in your life right now.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's, it's kind of surreal. Because you can't plan for these things to happen, you know? You can't be like, okay, I'm going to plan that I'm going to succeed in this way in a year from now. I mean, you can. You can think that's, that's how it's going to be. But uh, you kind of have to do. And I mean, it's not, it's not going to be all, you know, all uh, roses and, and sweet smells, you know? It's, it's, it's going to be hard as well.
1: What I feel like we're touching right now, actually, is like the the redefining of success because when success is learning and growing and evolving and becoming we have it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
1: and that's what you're doing yeah so even though you don't know where it's gonna go and what's gonna happen next it sounds like you know you're gonna be growing and evolving
0: yeah and I think that's the 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 thing that you know that's, that's scary within itself, right? But you can't, you can't be scared of that. You just need to be like, okay, yeah, I'm growing and I am evolving. And that's how we need to live. Because once we stop doing that, I mean, what's the point? You know, it's kind of sad if we, we, we don't keep learning um, about ourselves.
1: So got to push it
0: exactly yeah Don't Push it. <laughs> exactly feel the burn you know um yeah. that's
1: great owen oh that, that there's that's a little bit ironic that the wildlife firefighter is telling us to feel the burn but yeah
0: <laughs> thank you yeah i'll take that I'm gonna, I'm gonna take
1: it to the gym not to yeah. the fireplace with that but so yeah. owen if people are curious about what you're up to and mm-hmm. you know want to kind of keep their eye on the prize for the next adventure that you take on how could they find you or be in touch
0: you know what uh, i hate to say this uh, this is probably not what you're you're looking you're for off
1: social media and i love that i'm
0: That's a bit of great. a dark horse is yeah, that what I, you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have facebook but i i'm not like i'm not really active in that sense um and yeah i don't have instagram i really should um but uh yeah like our last our last um uh, trip we did in Alaska. We were fortunate enough to have Mac back us and they kind of, they did all our, um, kind of our PR stuff there. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it can be through them again. Um, but yeah, who knows?
1: And I love it. You don't have to say you should have Instagram. I don't <laughs> shut on yourself and super cool to be a dark horse. So instead <laughs> of that, then I have another question for you to to, mm-hmm. to round us out things you recommend people to do see experience read check out something you love right now that you're listening to or reading that you could share
0: with us i would say if you're interested in getting more connected um to your uh you know the outdoors and you feel like you know you need a little bit of a push to get outside um i just reread Uh, a sand county almanac it's uh by aldo leopold and it just gets you it gets you to the basics of why i think we should get outside um and if you don't have time to get outside to see you know what is beautiful this book will make you um make you find time to get outside and then another another um, piece that's a little bit more current and less philosophical, I would say you should, uh, everybody should check out adventurejournal.com. They're my homepage. And I mean, every day, something inspirational is popping up, whether it's a new, um, you know, push or expedition up Everest, uh, whether it's a sweet new piece of gear, or just a, a really, really fun story. Um, about people's experiences outside, um, pushing it physically. Yeah, it's it's one of the best, one of the best, uh, yeah, resources I can think of. So, yeah, Adventure that Journal. That
1: sounds awesome. And so the Sand County Almanac and AdventureJournal.com, those both sound amazing. Yeah. Oh, and it's been super wonderful to chat with you. Uh, we were really in it. I loved it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brooke. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah. The Ultra Human Podcast is produced in the backyard of the Rocky Mountains in Alberta, Canada by Joseph Tubb on behalf of Infinite Courage Coaching.